man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been formerly blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when the, Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put mud on my eyes. Then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So again they said to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But we do not know it, how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. The one thing I do know is that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciples, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships, and obeys, worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, 
you were born entirely in sins and are tr you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? He answered, and who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, you have seen him and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. I've heard it said that every Christian should have an elevator speech, a 30-second summary of why one is a Christian in case someone asks you why you believe and you do not have a lot of time to respond. Perhaps in this season of Lent, if you never chose a particular discipline or if you've already failed at your original endeavor, we could think about what our elevator speech might be. Prolific and popular English writer and Bishop N.T. Wright has a pretty good speech in his book, Simply Christian. He writes, Christianity is about the belief that the living God has fulfilled his promise to rescue God's people in Jesus. With Jesus, a great door has swung open in the cosmos, which can never again be shut. It's the door to the prison where we've been chained up. We are offered freedom, freedom to experience God's rescue for ourselves. In particular, we are all invited, summoned actually, to discover through following Jesus that this new world is indeed a place of justice, spirituality, relationship, and beauty. And that we are not only to enjoy it, as such, but to do, but to work at bringing it to birth on earth as it is in heaven. Pretty good speech. As I remembered those words this week, I found them not only inspiring, but also an interesting counterbalance to this season of Lent, or at least how we may have been taught to think about Lent. We might think, I often think, that Lent is about sin, about our sin and our desperate need to reflect on and repent for our sins. And those are not unnecessary tasks. My favorite definition of sin, and only really church nerds have a favorite definition of sin, but my favorite definition of sin is a separation from God. For sin is so much more than breaking a rule or doing something bad. Rather, when we commit a sin or act in a sinful manner or participate in a sinful system, we place an unnatural barrier between ourselves and God. Scripture states that we are made in the image of God, and so by our very nature, we are designed to be in eternal, dynamic relationship with God. 
But that relationship can short-circuit because of sin. So what is the opposite of sin? If we strive to be sinless, a silly pursuit, but let's continue the conversation, what would that look like? Is a lack of sin purity? Is a lack of sin morality? Is a lack of sin righteousness? Is a lack of sin incredibly boring? I don't believe the opposite of sin is any of those things. But for an answer, we can turn to today's gospel. The folks in today's gospel seem to be obsessed with sin, as, as obsessed with sin as the gospel itself is long. Jesus' uh, apostles encounter a blind man and react by trying to find someone to blame. Rabbi, the apostles asks, who sinned, this man or his parents? And then after Jesus heals the blind man, the Pharisees in turn accuse Jesus of being a sinner. The Pharisees in John's gospel love to point their finger and say, that's a sin, and that's a sin, and they're a sinner. The only person in this story that doesn't seem at all interested in sin is Jesus. And after all the spitting and the pointing and the dragging his poor parents into the room and the poor man getting cast out of the synagogue and all this rigmarole, Jesus seeks him out in the end and says, do you believe? I hear Jesus saying to us today, this morning, that the opposite of sin is belief. The Greek verb translated as pisteo, which means belief, appears over 200 times in John's Gospel. If the Pharisees are obsessed with sin, then Jesus is obsessed with belief. Jesus wants nothing more than for us to believe in him, to be in relationship with him, to trust him, and to follow him. Sin is important, but sin is secondary to our relationship with Christ. It is by no coincidence that the the pinnacle of this morning's gospel is when the man born blind says, Lord, I believe. I have a friend who is a priest on the coast of Georgia. And one Saturday, many years ago, when he was a little boy, he went to his grandparents' house for a picnic. All sorts of folks were there, aunts and uncles and cousins and friends. It was the kind of occasion when a young boy could get lost in the crowd, wander off, and get into trouble. And so he decided to walk out to the driveway and play in his father's brand new car. The doors were unlocked and he climbed into the driver's seat. He loved all the shiny knobs and buttons. He pretended he was driving for a while, but then 
this reflect how old this story is, he hit the gear shift and the car slipped into reverse. The car began to inch backwards, slowly accelerating. And this young version of my friend tried everything he knew to do, which wasn't much. The drive was mercifully short because it was abruptly ended by his neighbor's mailbox. And the damage was small, a dent in the bumper and a, correct, and a correctable tilt in the aforementioned mailbox. But in the boy's mind, he might as well have plowed the car into the neighbor's living room and set the whole thing on fire. He stumbled out of the car and looked into the distance and saw his father running towards him and a lump of guilt and fear emerged in his throat. But when his father reached him, Instead of being walloped with the storm of wrath and indignation that he expected, the, his father lifted him up and gave him the longest hug he could ever remember and said, are you okay? As he counted his fingers and his toes. Yes, dad, he sobbed. I am so sorry. It's okay, son. We'll talk about this later. I'm just glad you are okay. When we sin, we separate ourselves from God and God from God and God can become angry and sorrowful for what we have done or left undone. But more importantly, God rushes in like a loving parent and sweeps us up to make sure that we're okay. As one of our Eucharistic prayers pray, when our disobedience took us far from you, you did not abandon us to the power of death. In your mercy, you came to our help so that in seeking you, we might find you. This Lent, think on your sins. Perhaps when necessary, make an amendment of life. But also, also believe. Believe in Jesus. Believe in the Jesus who loves you more than you could ever imagine or deserve. Believe in the Jesus who has arrived to rescue us from the brokenness of ourselves and this world. Believe in the Jesus who invites us to follow him. Amen.